Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Main Attraction Podcast, where we discuss the biggest movies and television shows in the entertainment industry each week. I am your host, Justin Strawn, and joining me each week is the other host of the Main Attraction Podcast and our show's Dove of Peace, Ryan Nelson. Justin, I made a vow for peace, but I may have to break it tonight when discussing one of these shows. Well, we may have to do that indeed, because I think there's going to be a pretty varied opinion when it comes to both of these shows yeah. that we talk about tonight. Speaking of yeah. which, uh, we hope you enjoyed the debut episode last week, and if you did, I think we have an even better show lined up for this week as we are tackling the first five episodes of both Peacemaker and The Book of Boba Fett. If you do enjoy the show and you want to help support the show and get exclusive content, head over to our Patreon account and become a patron of the Main Attraction Podcast. Just go to patreon.com slash the Main Attraction Podcast, and you can support us at a $3 level where you'll get to vote each month on what we actually review here on the Main Attraction Podcast. The $5 level where you will get exclusive shows that we don't have any up there yet, but we will whenever we get some patrons up there. Uh, the $10 level where you get exclusive ch- access to a group chat between uh, myself and Ryan and any other like-minded people, and the $20 level where you could actually twice a year pick out whatever show, whatever movie you want us to, to review, and you could even come on the show and join us as we talk about it. So, uh, Once we get some patrons, we'll start producing some Patreon-exclusive content that we don't have any yet. However, if you like the show, and you can't be a patron, head over to Apple and Spotify and leave us a five-star rating. It goes a long way towards getting the show out to new people. And if you have a time, if you have the time, write us a review of the show on Apple Podcasts. And if you do, we will read it here on the show next week. So uh, it just does a lot to get people out, get the word about the show out to other people and shows up in their podcatchers and all that type of stuff. So, all right. You ready to get into it, Ryan? Oh, I'm very ready with this one. I'm very excited about Peacemaker. I, I am too. It, it was. It's been a fun show, and we'll get into a little bit more. Uh, but let's just take a little bit look at the reviews real quick. On Rotten Tomatoes, it's currently getting about. It's getting 94% from critics, uh, 85% from the audience. That surprise you, or about what you would expect? I would expect uh, with the language and the, I guess you would say, sexuality and violence. I could see where some people may be a little down on it. But no, I think that uh, it's extremely high, though. Yeah, it's it's done really well. It's it's scoring really high, especially the critics. But that doesn't surprise me. The audience, it's scoring really high as well. Uh, I'm a little surprised by that, just because I thought it might not score as well. But it's doing just great with them as well. Uh, IMDb eight point four, uh, Google users eighty seven percent. So just really good ratings across the board. Uh, now let's go ahead and get into the actual show itself. Let's talk about the history of this character and what we've seen so far. Were, were you familiar with Peacemaker before the Suicide Squad? No, no, no idea. I was a little familiar with him. I know he has been 
associated with uh, Watchmen. Did you watch the Watchmen series that came on HBO a couple years ago? I did not. I know it's supposed to be fantastic, but I, I never never got around to it. I think it's one of those ones that got canceled. Like when I was thinking about watching, I was like, eh, what's the point? It's only one season. Yeah, well, they, they intended for it to just be one season. Uh, so, oh, okay. Yeah, they intended for it to just be one season. Uh, they've uh, Well, Lindelof, who, who did it, uh, who was the showrunner, he said if he anybody else wants to pick it up afterwards, they're more than welcome to. But he, he was not – he did he wanted one season. He wanted to tell that story, and that was going to be it. And like I said, if somebody else wanted to do it, they could. But he's uh, Peacemaker is not in it. But I do know in the comics he is somewhat attached to it. He's not a real – widely known character um did you see the suicide squad oh yeah yeah loved it yeah james gunn did a fantastic job with that so much better than the uh i can't was it david ayer oh i don't remember i think so david ayer i mean yeah the 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 other movie was just okay but this one this one was fantastic loved it and loved john cena in in the movie well that's what i was going that's what i was going to get to where was John Cena's character, Peacemaker, when you were watching Suicide Squad, where was you ranked him among, among your favorite characters in that movie? Um, toward, towards the top, because he just surprised you at uh, just... John Cena, and we're going to talk a lot about John Cena, and there's going to be a lot of praise, so if you don't like John Cena, you may want to turn this <laughs> off now. But John Cena is fantastic, and he is really good at the action comedy piece of it. Uh, I've actually asked people who watch wrestling they never saw this coming with him because he wasn't that funny when he was on wrestling right but uh he he just nails it and suicide squad was one of those where he really got to show off so i mean you know margot robbie's always going to be number one i mean it's just it's but like i would put him you know second or third i really liked um what was the guy i can't believe i can't think of his name the one who had the the color oh polka dot man yeah, he may have been number two. He was he was fantastic. Yeah, he was uh, Peacemaker. I found it interesting that they went this route with him because while I was I thought he was I thought he was great in it. I thought John Cena did a spectacular job. I thought he was more he was I thought he was the funniest character yeah. in the Suicide Squad. I thought that was without question. But in terms of just being interesting, he was probably third or fourth in terms of being the most interesting characters on that movie. So I was a little surprised that they went with him. And James Gunn had went into that into that movie talking about how you're going to love this character, how you're going to be just infatuated with him. And I just didn't see that as the case when I was watching Suicide Squad because I love that movie. It was absolutely fantastic, much better than just Suicide Squad. Uh, but the like I said, I just didn't get that. I think James Gunn knew what he was going to do with that character in this show, and I think that's one of the reasons why he was so high on on Peacemaker going into the Suicide Squad. I mean, maybe that's just me. No, I think that's exactly what happened. I, I listened to a podcast with James Gunn, and it sounded like when they were preparing for the movie and starting it, he saw something immediately in John Cena, mm-hmm. and that started making his, you know, the, the brain start turning. And he st- sounds like he started writing it, or like writing it out, or the ideas while they were making Suicide Squad. So he, he knew what he was doing. And that's why also James Gunn mentioned that you don't see Peacemaker doesn't have a backstory in the Suicide Squad like the other characters do. Right. And the reason he was saving it for the TV show. Yeah, he's flushing it out here on right. HBO Max for us. How familiar were you with James Gunn before uh, Suicide Squad and before this? Oh, uh, very familiar. I knew, you know, I'd seen Gargs of the Galaxy, and then I w- had seen uh, Slither. Okay. 
yeah. And I, I had watched that. I, I knew he was. Uh, so yeah, I was I was very familiar with him and, 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 and a big fan. The Guardians movies really are just incredible and what he did with them. Yeah. Uh, characters I had no clue about. Yeah, nobody, and no one knew who the Guardians were. That's just what's kind of a, a surprised me about James Gunn. I, I wasn't familiar with him before Guardians of the Galaxy. I did not see Slither. I know that his, was his big previous movie except before yeah. uh, Guardians came out, but I wasn't real familiar with his stuff. But what he seems to have a knack for is he just seems to have a knack for these characters and these stories that people aren't familiar with, and he does a really good job of just telling those stories. Uh, like, nobody knew who the Guardians of the Galaxy were. There were right. If you're listening to this show and you tell me, oh, yeah, you're a big, huge Guardians of the Galaxy fan, you're, you're lying because nobody knew who <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy were before he made that movie in 2014, and now they're some of the biggest stars in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And as great as those are, and I think those films are better than what we got with the Suicide Squad, and I think they're probably right on par with this. Yeah. I honestly think James Gunn enjoys going into an R-rated movie or TV show much more than being handcuffed a little bit with the PG-13 stuff on Disney. Oh, yeah, definitely. And James Gunn, I was, you know, since we're talking about him, I'm going to go ahead and bring this up. He does a fantastic job of making the music almost a character yes. of whatever he's doing. Like, this time... He used uh, hair metal and glam rock. Right. And I love how he did a mix of, like, 80s bands, and including some that, you know, you could have gone with Motley Crue, right. Poison, but he went with Firehouse and Pastor <laughs> Pussycat, some ones that not, you know, that, uh, Hanoi Rocks that aren't as popular. And then he mixed in this European glam rock that's newer, and uh, it's, it's almost a character in the movie. Like I said... I would put him up with Tarantino. Tarantino uses music just right. incredible. Mm -hmm. And and James Gunn is right there, especially with Guardians of the Galaxy, the way he used uh, probably my favorite genre of the music, Yacht Rock. Uh, how he used Yacht Rock in the first movie, especially, uh, showing of uh, Peter Quill's like, listening to it, to the cassettes and, and going through his life. Like, he, he he's done it again. And... and um, in this, and like I said, using Faster Pussycat that I didn't see coming, so I have to give him just so much credit for that. All right, let's go ahead and look at talk kind of big picture before we get into specifics about the show. Just big picture thoughts. What are you What are you thinking so far on on Peacemaker? Oh, uh, love it! I think it's it's far exceeding my expectations. Uh, I had no idea what they were going to do with this, but I had faith in James Gunn. But it, it's even better than I expected. You know. You probably you know this about me, and I'm sure our listeners will eventually figure this out. Whenever we do, you know, the nerd culture stuff, the the, the comic book stuff, the sci-fi, the fantasy, whenever we do those, and we'll probably be doing a lot of those because those, you know, we say on the show that we're doing the biggest television shows, movies, and entertainment, and those are always big deals. So whenever we do these, my opinions tend to go pretty strong, whether really strongly liking them or strongly disagreeing with them. And with Peacemaker, man. <laughs> It's just really, really good. I mean, it's really good. I, I didn't have a whole lot of expectations going into it just because I wasn't familiar with the character, but just knowing James Gunn, I should have known based off what we saw with Guardians of the Galaxy, he was going to do this well, uh, and he has. He's just done it really, really well. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about John Cena because you mentioned this. I'm not a wrestling guy. Uh, you are, correct? 
I, I don't watch the current product. I kind of keep up with it a little bit. But, yeah, I, I, I was a huge wrestling fan growing up. Well, I'm not, and I wasn't real familiar with John Cena outside of his movies. And to be honest, his acting career, if you look back at it, it's it's not pretty. Uh, I write for bandsmackpal.com, and I was going into this, into this series. I did a piece on the top five movies by John Cena, and I hadn't seen a ton of them. Uh, so I just went by what Rotten Tomatoes put out there. He only had five movies that were fresh. Uh, okay. So they was, I mean, his acting career has been less than stellar, but he seemed to find in the last few years, he seemed to find uh, where he he seemed to find his voice on screen. Uh, there was Trainwreck, I think, which is kind of his coming out party. Yeah, I was going to say he's excel he's excelled at comedy. Yeah, he really has. That's he. He discovered, or I don't know if he, or if he discovered it, or if directors discovered it, that he's fine with making fun of himself. Uh, he, yeah. he has no problem with that. He has no issue with that. And you don't necessarily think of that when you think of a wrestler. Uh, and I'm glad you brought this up because I've been wanting to talk about this. And I love this guy. I'm gonna throw it out there. I love, I love you, Dwayne Rock Johnson. If you're listening, I love you. Don't get offended by this, Rock. You're my man. He, the Rock would never do this. No, he wouldn't. He would never make fun of himself the way John Cena is. Right. John Cena is, like, the stuff he does, like, The Rock makes fun of himself by, oh, I'm too big to go through the door. Let's make fun of me. Right. I have such big muscles. Like, John Cena is in his underwear, air drumming, looking like an idiot. <laughs> he he really Rock is. would do that. And, and, you know, I'm glad you actually mentioned that because, you know, the whole I'm too big to go through this door joke. I mean... He actually kind of makes fun of himself, uh, The Rock does, in the Jumanji films. But yeah. I, I don't know if you've seen those, but... I love them. They're good. But that's that kind of character. He plays the actual kid that he's playing is this scrawny little nerdy kid who's just like, just doesn't know what to do with all these muscles and stuff that he has. And that's that's where he kind of makes fun of himself, but he doesn't really do that in any other of, of his films. But John C. doesn't seem to have any issue with it. Uh, and, you know, he was getting typecast poorly at the beginning when he first started his acting career. He was supposed to be the action hero. Right. And he can do that. I mean, he's kind of showing that in this. But adding the comedy elements to it, I think, just changed the way in his his trajectory as an actor in general. All right, so let's go ahead and get into just this actual show itself. Uh, let's talk about some of the characters in this. Who are your favorite characters outside of obviously Peacemaker? Uh, I will. I love Adebayo, played by Daniel Danielle Brooks. Mm-hmm. When I I was a fan of hers from uh, we used to watch Orange Is the New Black. So yeah, I've, I never, I've never seen it, but I, I knew yeah, she was in it. I'll, we watched the first few seasons, and she was funny on that. I knew she had the chops. But uh, when I went back, I went back and watched the first four episodes again and she really was really funny when my second watch i didn't catch it the first time some of the stuff she was doing she is really nailing this role as i mean she's right there with cena as being the star right and she's uh doing a really good job of just you know giving one-liners but also setting up jokes for others and and I guess being the almost the eyes of the story as well, because we're learning everything through her. But she she's really stood out. This is a very good role for her. Yeah, it really is. I mean, she's and you're right about that. I mean, you're kind of we all kind of have to learn how this story is going to operate and how this team is going to operate. And this is her first job doing this, uh, and she's Amanda Waller's daughter in this. Uh, and that's that's going to I think continue to play a big role. They haven't yeah. really gotten into that yet, but it yeah. appears that as this character continues on in the story that's going to play a role because amanda waller is just a 
terrible person. Uh, and she's played by, what was her name, Octavia? Viola Davis. Viola Davis, that's right, Viola and Davis. And do you think we see Viola Davis again, or do we only see her through uh, Zoom? I think we'll see her again. I, I think okay. we'll see her again. I really wish they would have included Viola Davis in the opening dance number. That yes. Would, that would have been awesome. So we got to talk about that. Yeah, let's go ahead and talk about that real quick. Is it the best intro of all time? If it's not, it's up there. Yeah, it is. It is incredible. Even if you don't watch the show, <laughs> go YouTube the 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 intro. And I, I gotta ask, man, who, who's who who do you love in the dance number? Who's really showing off? Oh gosh, uh, the actor who plays Economist, John Agee, uh, Steve Agee. I'm Steve, sorry. Steve, yeah, yeah. He yeah. has a great moment in there uh, where he just like cuts a rug. Uh, he's probably in there. Robert Patrick has a pretty awesome moment. Say, Robert Patrick is doing a move that I like to do. When you can't dance, just thrust your hips a little bit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, just, it just, always, it, it's always going to win. It's just always going to them. It's going to make. And what's great about the dance number is they are so serious when yes. they are are on the camera. They are they are serious about. It. They've got they don't have smiles. They are just yeah. they are in a zone, and it just kind of sets the the tone for this whole show oh, where. Yeah. These guys, the people on the show are going to be taking everything really seriously, but just insane stuff is going to be happening around them. Yeah. And I think it does a really good job of, of, of just setting the tone for the show and getting you prepared for what it is that you're about to watch because it's, it's truly a great number. I mean, I, most of the time I will hit skip intro on a show yeah. when I'm watching it. I don't do it for this one. I'm with you. I've, I've been watching it as well. And uh, I just want to point out one last person, the uh, – the dad's neighbor. Oh yeah, I forgot about him. <laughs> I, I don't know what his name is. I think he's just the neighbor. Yeah, uh, he really he really cuts a rug. It, it gets into it towards the end. So I want to shout that. I, I should have wrote down his name, the actor's name. He he's actually a really funny character too. But the great the best the best visual from it is when uh, Judo Master comes running yeah. in and and Peace Master picks him up and puts him on his shoulder. Yeah. It's just such great. It's just such a yeah. great intro. Yeah. All right. Uh, some other. Let's talk about some of the other characters. Uh, Amelia Harcourt. Uh, she is being played by Jennifer Holland. Are you familiar with her? No, I, I found out that that's James Gunn's girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. his so, girlfriend. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't know if I've seen her before. She's not been much. Obviously, she was in yeah. the Suicide Squad before right, this. Right, right, right. But other than that, I mean, she's basically had like you know little tiny parts here and there, uh, and, you know, being the girlfriend of the director of Suicide Squad is kind of this nice... I mean, she's really good. Don't get me wrong. I mean, yeah. oh, yeah. she, she deserves to be in this, and she is carrying her weight just as well as anybody else, but being the girlfriend's... the girlfriend of the director helped to actually get her on, on the screen, and I think it's, right. uh, it's a really... it's a really good coming-out party for her. Oh, yeah, definitely. She's She's been very good. Uh... Possibly my favorite character of the show outside of Peacemaker, Vigilante. Oh, uh, yeah. A.K.A. Adrian Chase, played by Freddie Stroma. Were you familiar with either Freddie or the character Vigilante? Was not uh, familiar with the character. I actually went back and looked up Freddie. Uh, Freddie has been working nonstop since he was a kid. I saw where he was on uh, the Harry Potter series. He was the Quidditch player. I can't remember. I wrote down his name. Now I can't find it. He was a Quidditch player that was fighting with uh, Harry during the during the big scenes, and he took Hermione to the to the Christmas oh, okay. dance. Yeah, so he was in most of the movies, and then also I saw where he was the original Dick on Tarly. Insert the brawn laughing gif if you're, <laughs> if you're Game of Thrones fans. You know right. about it. He was the original character, and then uh, he got replaced for whatever reason. 
Okay, uh, I was I haven't been familiar. I I did not realize that that was who that was in uh, the Harry Potter movies. So I'm, I'm glad yeah. that you mentioned that because that's uh, it, it. Just didn't occur to me, and it, maybe it's the glasses that's throwing me off. Uh, yeah, it, that could probably be it. But the but, character is Vig- vigilante. He was actually showed up in, in one of the seasons of Arrow. I, I had stopped watching it at that point. I watched like the first three seasons of that, and then it kind of went off the rails. Uh, but it's just a very different take on the character, a very non-serious kind of comedic relief type role. Even for this show, there's still he's kind of the comedic relief. Oh yeah. Uh, who else? And he's we- gonna. I just sort of. I love Vincelli. Uh I think what this guy's doing is incredible. He's gonna come up multiple times in the categories. Yeah, he is. He's he's gonna yeah. be mentioned a lot. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about let's talk about uh, Peacemaker's dad. Uh, Peacemaker's dad is I forget his actual name. I, I Robert call, Patrick. Well, he's Robert Patrick, but I keep oh, calling him White sorry. Dragon. I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I can't remember what he his actual name is in the in the show, but I just keep calling him White Dragon because that's the character that he plays. Uh, Robert Patrick is one of the most interesting actors to me because if you go back and you watch Terminator Two, oh yeah, you will see this guy who's this you know handsome, athletic. I mean. One of the reasons they they didn't have to do a ton of like just CGI work with him when it, he was doing all that running in Terminator Two because yeah. he was that fast. I was about to ask: Is he the fastest looking actor ever on screen? And during that movie, I, I think I think so. I mean, they said it. I, I remember listening to uh, the Rewatchables podcast when they did uh, the Terminator Two, and oh, yeah. he trained hard so he could run. I mean, he just trained at running and he got to the point where he could just run incredibly fast and you know he was he was just this like i said athletic incredibly handsome guy and he is just deciding you know what i'm going to play an old out of shape uh washed up guy from for the rest of my career and he does it so very well he does he does and let's just shout out t100 got to be top 10 movie villain of all time if we really started ranking him and we don't have to tonight but right. just his, his performance unbelievable yeah but i'm with you like the hair he's got the crazy uh-huh, hair uh-huh. and he, he it's augie smith is augie name. thank you i forgive me uh, and augie. just like you said the way he leans into it i know he's been in some comedies i need to go back and look but uh, but nothing like this he he is really, really funny. And, uh, you know, good for him. He's had a long career. I know he was in um, X-Files uh, when David Duchovny left. And I know uh, I actually re- uh, rewatched The Sopranos uh, in 2021. And he he's on several episodes of that as well. So had a really good career. But, you know, when you get older, leaning into the comedy like this, good for him. Because this is going to lead to many more roles for him. Yeah, and I, and I can't wait to see them. Yeah, I know. I'll be interested to see where they go. I'll be interested to see where they take this character after the show. If they're if they're going to keep him on for another season, or if he's going to if this is going to be a, a one shot for him. Uh, I'll well, be, go ahead. Let me ask right now. It's it looks like he's about to be the villain in the last two episodes, right? Yeah, it appears to be that, that'd be the case. I think there's three more after this one. There's two more for for Boba Fett. I think there's three more okay. after this one. Okay. Yeah, and then. I noticed something else. Let's just go ahead and talk about since we're talking about him being the villain. So Vigilante, Vigilante mentioned that his suit has a couple of spots that, that you could attack. He says that in episode four. Are you talking about uh, White Dragon's suit? Yeah, the White Dragon's suit. Yeah, yeah. Suit. I'm sure that so will... that's going to come back. I, when, when, he, when he mentioned that, I was when I was rewatching, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. 
we're, he's pointing that out now because we're gonna we're gonna see that in one of the upcoming episodes. Yeah, I don't doubt that at all. I'll be interested to see Robert Patrick in that suit. That, that should be <laughs> that should me be too. interesting. Me too. Uh, so I'll be interested to see how that plays out. But uh, uh, the other two characters of the actual team that we haven't talked about, uh, John Akamos, played by Steve Agee. Uh, am I pronouncing that right, Agee? I think it's Agee. Agee. He's okay. a he's a stand up comedian. I, I've never watched his stand up, but I knew you know I knew who he was, and mm. he he is a uh, big James Gunn supporter. So yes, he he's is. in all his stuff. So yeah, but. And, but very, very funny role for him as well. Yeah, I've I've enjoyed him and the fact that Peacemaker has been just verbally abusing him <laughs> for throughout the course. And it looks like though that might be starting to change here. Yeah. We got we got a little bit of, an, of a, a bromance. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, they kind of they basically kind of came together when it came to the you know the hair metal bands. They uh, rocks, man. They bring everybody together. They really do. Uh, last one on the team. Uh, we'll talk about some other people though as well. Uh, Clemson Mern, and I'm going to screw up his name. Chikudi yeah. Iwuji? Uh, yeah, that that sounds right to me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I had not seen him before, but he is. He's good. Yeah, he's real good. I, li- I like him a lot. He's got that, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think the best way to describe it, just that pissed off, could mm. snap at any minute. Like, you want that boss in a show like this, and yeah. he is. He's killing that role. I, I I really like him. And he's bringing a little bit of a mystery to the show because he's okay. been, he's been, you know, if it's a butterfly, kill it. If it's a butterfly, kill it. But he's obviously a butterfly. Uh, so, you know, we're not really sure exactly. And they've hinted at the fact that butterflies aren't quite what we're supposed to believe they are, uh, that there's something more to them than just being this alien that's like invasion of the body snatcher type thing. Yeah. Uh, so we'll be, I'll be really interested to see how, how that plays out. And, you know, at the very end of episode five, it looked like Mern had out of body. I don't think he's going to kill her, but yeah. there's going to be something revealed pretty quickly at the beginning of episode five. I would have to, to imagine, uh, judo master, uh, played by Newt Lee. I think is how you pronounce him. He has, he is just the strangest character probably out of all these guys. He he is. Uh, this guy's doing a really good job uh, playing him. Like you said, very strange, but still very good at the comedy. These people, James Gunn is able to bring that out of probably serious actors. And, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see where they go with, with his character. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming he's going to recover and and become either a member of the team or a thorn in their side the last few episodes. Yeah. I, I, I really like him. I was I was glad, which, you know, mentioning he was such a big part of the, the opening number, and he doesn't come on until, what, the end of episode three. two? Episode three. Oh, episode, episode three. Because, mm-hmm. like, my wife and I, every time we watch, it's like, who is that guy? Well, right. What are we going to find out who he is? <laughs> but uh, let's talk about some of the best moments. What are your favorite moments so far in the show? Okay, so... My my favorite is from it's episode four. Okay, and it's uh, it's the scene where it starts off where Vigilante is thanking. <laughs> thank, I can't. I'm laughing even talking about it. He's thanking uh, Peacemaker for letting him get tortured. Yes, <laughs> and like he's he's thanking yeah. him, but he's like he, you can tell he's not he's he's still not happy about it. And Peacemaker's yeah, like Peacemaker's like. You sound mad. He's like, I'm not mad, but you sound mad. <laughs> yeah. And so that leads to where they drive to Peacemaker's dad's house. Uh, and then it leads to the next scene where the famous 
if it walks like a duck when they're dis- when Vigilante is discussing Peacemaker's dad <laughs> and Peacemaker possibly being racist, <laughs> uh, which was a very funny scene. I, right. I laughed multiple times. I had to rewind it a couple of times because they're and this is th- something that James Dunn does. Re- James Gunn does really well. He will grab a joke and extend it. Yes, he will. To as about as far as you can, where it's st- it's still funny, but it's like right there on the line where it's not. And he does that with the walk like a duck scene, where he keep, they keep going back and forth about where, where John Cena's like, that's not humanly possible. There's no way. He right. Can do that. And if you watch the scenes afterwards, he goes even further into it about, which I don't know why they didn't add this, because it was even further, because he's talking about, it's like, I have webbed feet. What do I do with those? <laughs> you know, so, right. But like, and then that finishes with uh, John Cena getting into it with the neighbor and has has just an epic rant about Batman right. that is so true. And it's about how Batman lets, he doesn't kill anyone, but he lets everyone go. Uh, he lets all the villains go, and they end up murdering people. So, in fact, Batman is a murderer. Right. <laughs> I know that's it's one of the it's any time he interacts with that neighbor is always spectacular. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. it always ends up with him yelling at that old man. Uh, yeah. One of my favorite things. It's one of those things that just where my nerdy self comes in. Uh, there are at least three that I can that I caught, and maybe there's more. But on three occasions, he has talked about like these insanely weird. Uh, heroes that were out there. I don't know if you caught those. Yeah. Uh, but he mentions Batmite, Dollman, and Matter Eater Man. And yeah, yeah. if you don't, if you're not into like the lore and just everything with uh, DC Comics, you probably don't think, oh, those are just made up characters. No, those are actual DC comic characters. Uh, so, and so I'm going to be interested to see how many more of those they pull out because the way they're described, it's just absolutely insane. But they're actual characters that DC uses uh, from time wow. to time. And I, and I like how Peacemaker also knows about all the bad fetishes that all the main superheroes have. <laughs> yeah. uh, he said uh, Superman had a poop fetish, I think. Yeah, he had a poop uh, fetish. Uh, Aquaman lo- loved to mate with, uh, with, with fish. fish. Yeah, that's and then he And then the only thing DC complained about the whole series was his rant about Batman. They thought he went too far. <laughs> well, yeah. I can see what I would think of because that's that's their star, that's their moneymaker. So yeah. I, I'm sure they don't they don't want them going too far with that. Uh, we haven't even mentioned Eagly. We, we got to talk oh, about yeah. Eagly. Uh, Eagly having a pet eagle is just so on brand for this character. And like to see him hug him at the beginning of episode one was just fantastic. But my favorite scene with Eagly is that beginning that opening scene at, at episode five where he's like consoling. Uh, peacemaker and he yeah. brings him the dead animal. I don't know what that yeah. was that he brought him, and it's just I love that eagle. We need more eagly in this show. We don't get enough of eagly. I agree. Uh, and eagly, there is a great line about him. Uh, I actually wrote it down, and it's one of the best lines of the series so far. It was where Peacemaker was telling Vigilante, "You can't house train an eagle, <laughs> yes. bro." Not without, without stealing its soul. soul. Right. <laughs> that was one of the best ones. I, uh, there's a lot of really good ones in this. Uh, another great ep- another great moment in the show, just that scene in episode five where they're discussing the plans to uh, try to infiltrate the the butterflies' warehouse where they, where they get their food. And Peacemaker just goes on this rant about all the people that Economos could have framed instead of his father. I mean, it went on for like five minutes. I, I want to know more about that scene because 
I, I get the feeling Cena was improving all. Oh, those he things. was definitely improving. I, I can guarantee you, he was improv. They may have given him a couple of suggestions, and yeah. then he just. They said, just go with it. Name every yeah. person living, alive, fictional, non-fictional you can think of. I, I, I can guarantee you that's the route they When he said Joe Montana and then Joe Montana, I, I, I nearly lost it. I was <laughs> laughing really hard. It, it, it was truly one of the best scenes of the show. And it, I was, unfortunately, my wife was, I was having to watch that uh, while my wife was trying to sleep. So I had to like stifle some, some laughs on that one. Uh, but yeah. And that's another example, another scene where where James Gunn is extending that joke just as far as you can take exactly. it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right, so anything else you want to talk about the show before we get into kind of some weekly awards for uh, Peacemaker? Um, no, I think I think we're good. I, I think we're ready ready for some awards. All right, so we're not going to do the, the, the Friends Awards until the season is over, so when season one of Peacemaker is ended, we'll give out the Rachel, the Ross, the Chandler, the Phoebe, the Monica, and... Uh, the Ross at that point. Uh, but we do want to give out three awards each week for uh, who we think. So for people, for people are moments that deserve them. So our first one is the Tyrion Lannister. Uh, if you do not know who Tyrion Lannister is, if you did not watch Game of Thrones, he was portrayed by Peter Dinklage. Tyrion Lannister is not the main character of Game of Thrones, but he did on many occasions carry that show when it could have faltered heavily. Uh, so our Tyrion Lannister is our MVP of the show for that week. Now we're just kind of encapsulating all five episodes for this one. So, who is your MVP of the first five episodes of Peacemaker? It's got to be John Cena. Yeah, uh, it I is. know. I hate I hate to do this because we may have to do the next similar thing on the next show. But if you're doing overall, it's John Cena. Uh, if we do it week to week moving forward, Vigilante's going to steal one because he stole yeah. it four. Yeah, that, uh, I had the same thing. I said it's Peacemaker. Vigilante deserves a lot of consideration uh, because yeah. he is great, especially in episode four when he goes. Oh, yeah. when he infiltrates the prison. I, I was going to say that scene where the music is playing and he walks through the prison and they're all screaming at him and he doesn't break character or face one second. He just walks through there just deadpan. Well, uh, he's he's just incredible. One of the great things I love about that character in general is the fact that he is a screw up. I mean, you can tell he's a screw up, but he is great at killing people. I yeah. mean, oh, he, yeah, he really is. <laughs> I mean, you don't and you don't see that coming because you think this guy has a screw up. Is he going to be able to do much of anything in a fight? He's not going to be able to do much of anything in terms of holding a gun or anything like that. But he is not that. Not that yeah. at all. And getting back to Cena as Tyrion Lannister, uh, Cena really shows off he can really act because, yeah. you know, he's obviously upset about killing Rick Flagg. Right. And then the end of episode four with the with the great use of Faster Pussycat's House of Pain, which I had not heard in a long time. I've been <laughs> listening to it nonstop. You're welcome, Faster Pussycat. Uh, get, get a couple of streams out of me. But the, just the use of that where he's crying, he's thinking about his brother, he's thinking about Rick Flagg. Like, this is the show, the other shows, the other movies we mentioned before that show Cena is really good at comedy. This shows he can act. Yeah, he does. Like, this this is going to be interesting to see where, where he goes from here because he really shows off his, his acting chops, and, and he's got a lot of them. I, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I think John Cena could do some dramatic work. Yeah, he probably could. I think he probably needs a little bit more seasoning. Uh, I think he needs yeah. a little. I think he needs a little bit more time to kind of develop that. Uh, but it, eventually, that will come. And I think yeah. he, once he's kind of honed his craft just a little bit more, I think he will 
eventually get a chance to display that in some shape, form, or fashion. So it wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, let's go on to our next one, which is called The Agatha All Along. If you don't know what that is, it is one of the greatest scenes in television history. Uh, in the show WandaVision that came out last year on Disney+, Plus. and this is what I was telling you, Ryan, that the fact that Agatha was... Uh, uh, Agnes Hart, Agnes, whatever her name was. Uh, yeah, well, Agnes, who was Agatha Harkness, uh, yeah. was, it was being telegraphed the entire time. I mean, all you had to do was just sit there and watch, and you could figure out that there was more to her character than anything else. But when they break out into that song number that is very Adams Family-esque, it yeah. was just remarkable. I mean, I got chills watching Alex. I saw it coming a mile away. It's just a great, great scene. And so our Agatha all along is our best scene of the week, and we're just doing it for all five. What's your What's your Agatha all along for? Well, let me just shout episodes? out the, the great Catherine Hahn. Yes, Catherine Hahn is awesome. Just in that, in one, of, one of my favorites of all time. Uh, so I mentioned the, the vigilante uh, peacemaker scene. Mm. That, that, was, that was my runner-up. My first is really the first scene in the show where it's the peacemaker and the janitor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I had forgotten about that. Oh, I'm And that sets that. the tone for the whole show. It really does. Because it's, it's very funny. You kind of get, you get an idea of where this show is going. And it's like the, the first, the first show. Also, we get the idea. Well, now we get the, the running joke of peacemaker is a racist. So right. that gets going right off the bat. And the way he handles that is very funny. So I'm going to, I'm going to, single out that uh with uh and i wrote down the janitor uh reswan manji his the janitor's name is jamil it appears he's coming back because i saw he's listed yeah. on several episodes and he's also he actually is in that that intro too as well he has a, a yes a he is in the intro yeah he's doing some very good dancing so i, I would i want to i wanted to mention that because i think it sets the tone for the show of what you're getting into and what you're getting into is a lot of fun yeah mine was mine was the one that we talked about the one that i mentioned earlier the vigilante uh where he infiltrates the prison that's that's my favorite scene that's my my best scene uh a close second was that other one where you have john cena just listing all of those people uh that was my second runner-up but those were those were my agatha all alongs for for peacemaker so far in the first five episodes all right our last weekly award for peacemaker before we get into the book of boba fett is the if you come at the king you best not miss it comes from the wire and omar was the deliverer of that line what's your favorite line in this one well this one I think he mentioned in Suicide Squad of I made a vow to have peace no matter how many people I have to kill to get it. I, I, it's it's just an incredible line. I know he right. he's, it comes up a couple times. So uh, was that in the Suicide Squad? It was in like the Suicide. Was, it was in the Suicide Squad. He mentioned it I think in episode one of this show as well. I do okay, believe. just the way he delivers that. So, but since that was in the movie, I'm going to take this. My 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 next one is this is back. When men were real men, because they weren't afraid to look like <laughs> that them. was mine. Okay, that that is my if you, best line of the show. That was in episode one when he's going through all the records of the first butterfly. I can't remember the woman's name, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's going through all those records and he says, "This is my jam." You know, this is back when men were real men because they weren't afraid to be women. So, I mean, uh, 
<laughs> like, when you listen to that, you're like, are, are you listening to what you're saying? Yeah, it was it was extremely funny. Vigilante has several lines, but this is a family show, so we, we, oh, yeah, cannot, yeah. we cannot list his. Yeah, because there are quite a few F-bombs in many of his lines, and Peacemaker's lines for that matter yes, as yes. well. But All right, uh, let's go ahead and get into the book of Boba Fett, because as much praise... Well, we, we, weren't we going to give some ratings? Oh, that's right. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, all right, so... We have a rating system. Uh, we are not. This is not the final rating of the show. Uh, but our five star is a Game of Thrones. Our four star is Lost. Our three star is a Friends. Uh, two star is Full House, and one star is uh, Baywatch. So so far, where does Peacemaker sit for you? This is a strong, strong loss, and it's it's getting Game of Thrones territory. For me, it's it's already the Game of Thrones. I mean, I I, I look every Thursday when I, I sometimes I, I sometimes I'm asking myself, do I want to set an alarm for like two o'clock in the morning so I can get up and watch <laughs> wow. it? Wow! <laughs> I mean, that's wow. I mean, that's how much I'm enjoying this show so far. Uh, so I mean, I've, it's a Game of Thrones for me. Uh, it may end up being a Game of Thrones for you, and it could change. It we, is. No, I think I, I think it it easily could be. I'm I'm trying not to get too overly excited about everything and say it, everything's Game of Thrones, but th- this show is incredibly good and like you said, it, it definitely could end that way with me. They're, they're just killing it. They really are. They, they're doing a, they're doing a fantastic job of it and I, I know they haven't officially signed off on the second season of it yet, but I'm sure that's coming. Well, this is the top streaming show of January. Yeah, You're talking is. about Cobra Kai out um, what else? There were several Well, you got Book of Boba Fett that we're about to talk Book about. Book of Boba Fett, yeah. So, I mean, you're talking about if it's beating all that stuff, it's it's doing extremely well. Yeah, it's it's done it's done really well, and people have really enjoyed it, and we are two of those people. So, yes. All right, now we'll probably talk about something that we won't enjoy. It's quite, well, look, Book of Boba Fett. It's complicated. Let's just let's just say that. So let's go ahead and get into the Book of Boba Fett, and let's look at the reviews for it. Currently on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are at eighty-one percent. You want to take a guess where the audience is? Let's go 56. You're close. 61. They are at 61%. Uh, critics are enjoying the show a lot more than just the audiences, which doesn't surprise me because Star Wars fans are hard to please. Very hard. Uh, so it doesn't surprise me. But also, I mean, this this show has got some issues. Uh, it's, it's kind of all over the place. Uh, IMDb, 7.7. Google users, 85%. Uh, so, like I said, I mean, it's getting pretty decent reviews, but if you go and search for stuff online about it, you don't seem to get that same that same vibe. You, excuse me, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're right. Uh, definitely, definitely mixed reviews. I think that kind of held off of me watching it right away. Uh, I, you know, I don't know why I did this. I looked at Twitter, you know, before I started watching it, and like you said, very mixed reviews. Which people, we need to talk about this. If I, we, if I have to bring it every, Twitter is not real life. No, so I don't not. know why. I don't know why I use Twitter. <laughs> to decide if I'm going to watch something. But, yeah, it, it definitely has mixed views. It has some issues. But I have to say, overall, I have enjoyed this much more than I thought I would. Yeah, it's it's it's. I'll be honest. I, I expected more. Uh, I expected it to be better. Uh, maybe because yeah. I was such a big fan of The Mandalorian because I love The Mandalorian. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, uh, Mandalorian. Mandalorian is Game of Thrones. Yeah, and so I've been I've been a little disappointed, uh, and we'll get into why. Now we didn't go episode by episode with Peacemaker just because we knew we were going to be heaping so much praise upon it. This we're going to go episode by episode. But before we do that, let's just talk about the Boba Fett history. Uh, how big of a Boba Fett fan are you? Were you? 
uh, I, you know, I watched the original movies and, and I enjoyed Boba Fett, but I wasn't one of the diehards like I know a lot of Star Wars fanatics. And I just want to apologize up front, Star Wars fanatics. I'm going to butcher some names. So. <laughs> yeah, we, there's no way you get around that. I apologize. But yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't a fanatic, you know, about Boba Fett. Like I know a lot of people are. Right. Well, I'm I'm not either. Uh, Boba Fett is just the weirdest character to me because uh, I went and did some research on him. If you total up the amount of time that he is on screen, the amount of lines that he has in the original trilogy, where the you know the legacy of Boba Fett was formed, he is in the original Star Wars films for a total of six minutes and has four lines, and yet there is this plethora of people who just think he is the coolest character to ever grace the screen and i'm and i'm gonna and you're forgetting that he gets whipped every time he's on yes screen. he does that was what we we're about to go ahead to next i think that's kind of what i like one of the things i do like about this show is the beginning of the show nobody respects bubba fett well no i was talking about the movie well, yeah no but i think that's plays from his time on screen. I think that's appropriate. Oh, I got you. Yeah. But you know, I think I know it brought into the lore because I was a kid during this time. It was the, the his toy. Yeah. That his, was it. his, his figure and his, his ship was mm-hmm. such like the hot thing to get. I think that really led to his lore. I, I think, it, I think he did too. I think, uh, just very, very similarly when the prequels came out, I think Darth Maul was the same way. The, Darth Maul got this, you know, he got built up like he was going to be this awesome dude and he's going yeah. to be like the Darth Vader throughout the rest of the prequels and he wasn't that. Uh, so, but people still love Darth Maul. Even like the kids, people who were like 10 years old when those prequels were out, Darth Maul was their Boba Fett. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that it goes into a lot of it. Um and I feel bad for those children. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm, so, I'm sorry, you kids out there that are listening. And here's the thing. I think the series is, has got me to thinking, because I was really excited about the series show. I loved Boba Fett in the second season of The Mandalorian. I thought oh, he yeah, played yeah, really yeah. well. But what I've seen from him in The Mandalorian, what I've seen from the show is, to me, Boba Fett is a lot like the Punisher in Marvel. The Punisher is a great character if he's a side character. I don't know that he is a character that needs to be front and center, have his own stuff. I think that's what Boba Fett is. Boba Fett looks great as a complimentary character. I don't know that he's... I think what this show is proving to me, at least, and you may think differently, but it's proving to me, at least, I don't know that him being at the front and center is the best move. I don't... I I disagree with that. I don't... I think part of the problem is, and I was reading... uh, a negative review about the show, and I think they brought up a good point. Part of the problem is Bubba Fett and Fennec Shad, who I love. Yes. Shout out to uh, Mignon Wynn. I love Mignon Wynn. Yeah. Uh, they're both stoic characters. True. And there's no, like, Mandalorian has Grogu. Right. So he doesn't have, Bubba Fett doesn't have this sparkling thing. Right. That's kind of getting him some, Luke has Han Solo. Yeah. And I think Every, that- I think you may be right about that. That may be that may be the issue. That may be the biggest issue is that there is no. It is just rough. It's just rough. The entire thing is stoic and serious, and you don't have any levity until we get to episode five. Yeah, and I was going to say, which makes no sense because D eight D or isn't that the name of the character? Yeah, D eight. I think is his name. Yeah. He's played by Matt Matthew Barry. Barry. Yes. One of the funniest people. If you've not watched what we do in the shadows. He is one of the funniest people in the in the world, and like he's right there 
why are they not using him more uh, for comic relief? Again, if you've not watched what we do, the shadows, you've got to start watching it. Both seasons just. He's also in the the it crowd. uh, Yes, yes, yes. He's in that as well. I mean, you're right. He's. They should be using him more, and for some reason, they aren't. That's which is kind of what I started to get into with a lot of these. So let's go ahead and get into episode one. Uh, first thing I want to ask you, did Disney plagiarize Patton Oswalt's character from the 2013 episode of Parks and Rec? So I did not watch Parks and Rec, uh, so, but I've read about this situation, and absolutely they did. I have some other plagiarism for you. Oh, really? Did George Lucas just rip off Dune? Oh, gosh, yes. I mean, well, that is, uh, that's one of the things that I do know about George Lucas was heavily inspired by Dune. Uh, that is one okay. thing that he has always said. Uh, he's always said that uh, Dune was a big inspiration for him when he was writing the uh, original Star Wars. That that was a huge inspiration for him. So yeah, that's the reason why you get a lot of you know spice references on a Same. desert planet and all this stuff. So yeah, he's he was heavily influenced by by, by Dune. So that was okay. a great film. So but yeah, well, you're, you made me feel better because I was thinking George George. You stole a lot, buddy. <laughs> yeah, but you know he, that 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 is on purpose. That the reason why you see a lot of what appears to be Dune references in uh, throughout the, really all of Star Wars. Uh, but if people aren't sure what we're talking about, there's an episode in 2013 of Parks and Recreation, which is a show I absolutely loved, uh, where Pat knows why. I don't remember the exact con- context, but he's giving he's doing a filibuster, and if you know what a filibuster is, it's when you just talk about anything to delay a vote on. Uh, a law or anything along those lines, city ordinance, whatever it may be. And he's giving this filibuster in which he actually gives his rendition of what it will be like when when Boba Fett escapes from the Sarlacc pit. And it looks exactly like the scene that emerges in episode one of Boba Fett. So that's that, that, if you didn't if you didn't know that, go uh, kind of look up Pat Nose Walt. Uh, Star Boba Fett Star Wars or do something like that in Google and you'll see what we're talking about. Uh, all right, so we get we get the introduction. Uh, we see him emerge, and one of the things that I, well, let's just ask this: Did you like this episode? I did. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I did too. The escape. I thought it was really cool. I thought it was cool. I thought it was. I thought the escape, seeing what happened to him after he left the Sarlacc pit, uh, seeing how he didn't have his armor at uh, in the Mandalorian, seeing how that gets taken from him, which we're going to revisit once you get to episode four. Uh, I think it was really good. I think you did what you had to. I mean, in, in The Mandalorian, when they reintroduced Boba Fett, you're not going to tell the story of him escaping the Sarlacc in The Mandalorian, because that's this is not The Mandalorian. It's not the book of Boba Fett. That was The Mandalorian. But we needed it in this episode. We needed that backstory. We needed that history. Uh, I thought it was good, but when I was watching it, I thought, this is good, but I don't know that I like it as much as The Mandalorian. Whether you like it or not, it's going to get compared to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so let's go on to episode two, and let's talk about it a little bit. This is my favorite episode until episode five came out. What about you? Yeah, same thing. I'm, I'm going to put this... I, I'm, I'm going to be fair to Boba Fett. I'm going to put this as my favorite episode, and I'm going to try not to use stuff from five as, as the categories, because it's not fair to this show. Well, I, I'm going to get into that we'll later get, when we get there. Yeah. But yeah. The train robbery in the, in the end of two is just incredible. Him him working uh, with the Raiders is just really really cool. Uh, I, I love this episode, and I will say this is the start of where I thought the the back and forth got confusing. 
Yeah, it, 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 some people have been confused by going from one episode, from one timeline to the other, and this one stays pretty much in the in the back one, but it, it starts to get a little bit hard to figure out as they get towards the end of this episode where he forges his weapon. Uh, along those lines, it gets a little bit difficult to follow, and I get that, but I love that scene where the lizard shoots up his nose, yeah, uh, and yeah. he like guides him to this tree that's out in the middle of the desert. I mean, I love the fact that also... They started this in The Mandalorian, and they did a much better job of it here in Episode 2 of, and really Episode 1 as well, of Book of Boba Fett, where they are giving the Tuscans, or the Sand People, whatever you want to call them, uh, they're giving them depth, and they have never had depth at this point. They've always just been a very shallow characters who are just portrayed as murderers. Uh, we don't we don't really know anything about them except they sound like donkeys, uh, <laughs> yeah. so we don't really know anything about them. But now we're getting you know we're getting depth from these guys, and it, it was just really beautiful to watch. Yeah, yeah, they were they were really great. That they, they stood out and and just his working with them and the way they were able to communicate. And I love the scene of them preparing for the train robbery. That that was that was really great. Yeah, I, I love the fact when he brings back those those speeders. Their initial thing is, yeah. oh, let's rip it apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was that was truly fun, uh, fun to watch. Uh, now, episode three. This is where I'm going to have some issues. Uh, yeah. All right, it starts really good. We get Stephen Root. He plays Lorth Appeal, who is basically he's a con man, water salesman, is what he is. And, and let me just ask you, like when I, when I mentioned Stephen Root, what what is he? What which what is he most known for for you? Uh, he's most known for uh, Office Space. Okay, yeah, that would be Office Space. Uh, he's recently on Barry. Yeah, which if you haven't watched on HBO, it's fantastic. I actually knew him when he was on News Radio. Yeah, News Radio. Boss. That's what Jimmy, I, that's what I James. Most, yeah, yeah, yeah. But just one all-time great character actor. When I saw him, I was like, okay, this is going to be good. Right. I, I thought so, and that's what I thought too. I thought, all right, we're, we got Stephen Root here. This is going to be great. This they're they're going they're going to continue to build upon what we saw in episode two. It's going to be spectacular. And then the very next thing they take us to is these mod culture teams. And my immediate reaction to take it from a Star Wars famous line, I've got a bad feeling about this. That was my, that was my initial reaction when I saw that. I was like, I don't know about this, guys. I don't know. What was your thought when you saw those people? Well, I will say I had just finished watching the show Yellow Jackets, right. and one of the drash, the young lady Sophie Thatcher, she was one of the leads on. Now so I, I like have to her. Say, I, yeah, I have to say when I saw her, I was like, oh man, yeah. So I was a little bit more excited, but I I agree with you. Normally, if I saw a bunch of teens, especially with polished uh, scooters, parts. oh yeah, 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 scooters, yeah. oh yeah. But, yeah, they're they're very poor, but their their automobiles look just incredible. Yeah, we're, we're <laughs> going to get into those dressed. in a little yeah, bit. Yeah, but yes, I, I can understand your hesitation. But you know, I just finished. I just finished Yellow Jackets the week before, which is fantastic, by the way. If anyone should, if you have Showtime, check it out. So I w- I was kind of excited when I saw her. Yeah, like I said, I liked her character. Uh, the rest of them, I just I wasn't, yeah, and, I, no. and I didn't get I didn't get enough of really any of them interacting at that point. I was just like, oh, I don't know about this guy. I'm not sure that we're going down the right road here. But uh, but it gets back to good footing for me because when we get back, uh, we get back to Boba's lair, uh, and he is basically going to give Kirstan, which we haven't talked about, the, uh, the Black Wookiee. 
who is just an amazing character. I love Kirsten. Yeah. Kersantin, I'm sorry, Kersantin. Uh Kersantin is just absolutely awesome. Uh he's he is just as cool, if not cooler looking than Chewie was. Uh but I absolutely loved him. And they're basically going to give him back to the hut excuse me. The Hut twins, he's going to give them back to them, and they're like, no, y'all just keep them because we're getting out of here because we've been betrayed by the mayor. But then they introduce us to Danny Trejo as the Rancor handler. Yes. When you bring Danny Trejo into Star Wars, I'm like, yes, I'm all there for it. And we should have seen this. Robert Rodriguez is the director, and that's that's Dejo's guy. Their their machete is is Robert Rodriguez and Danny Trejo. So, yes, I was excited. Let me just – the Hut twins – I was, uh, what episode, were they in two? They were in was one. They were, they were first they were in one. one. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I was very excited when we saw them from the get-go. I thought, I thought, okay, this is cool. Yeah, it was, and they, they actually did the the Huts really well, because they hadn't really done the Huts well. I mean, let's be honest, I mean, Return of the Jedi, they did, they did the best they could with Jabba. Uh, yeah. But they haven't really done the Huts well since, and they tried CGI, and I think these were puppets, I think. I'm not 100% positive about that. Uh, but, yeah, the, the Hut twins were a, a welcome addition to the yeah. show. I don't know that we're going to see them again. Uh, I think they, that we may be done with them. But they, See, I, I wonder about that because why would Danny Trejo – I get the feeling he's he's sent for spying. Oh, you think so? Yeah, that's my, just my guess. Okay. What, why would you add Danny Trejo for just that one scene? Well, I think we're going to get more of the Rancor, I personally think. I, I, think, I think he might be a spy for the Hunt. He could be. I mean, that would be kind of in line with the, just – the characters that he plays so yeah it, yeah, it, yeah. it wouldn't be surprising but yeah danny Draco yeah. is, is just absolutely incredible and let's just let's just stop right here we're talking about a, a episode that has steven root and danny trejo in it and it's bad let's just it's right. just it's mind-blowing right i mean those were like the shining moments of the show because yeah. we're about to go into where i just i, I just can't take this show uh, this particular episode it's because it goes off the rails at this point so basically at this point they're going back uh, Finnick and Boba and the teens, they go back to Mos Espa to confront the mayor and he's basically fled the coop and they're going to chase down uh, his assistant. I can't remember exactly what they call his assistant. Uh, I had that name up so let me find it real quick. Major uh, Damo? Major Damo. Major Damo. Major Damo. And I like that I like that guy. His name is David Pasquizzi. Uh He's most known for Veep and another show that I watched, Lodge 49 on AMC. It was a mix of the Coen brothers and National Treasure. I think it's on Hulu now. Uh-huh. It's a very, very fun show. He's really good in that show, and he's really good as Major Domo. Yeah, well. he's really good at this just kind of slimy uh, yeah. assistant to the mayor, this crooked yeah. mayor. So he's really great. But they go off. They go to the chase him. And you mentioned the speeder bike things that they had. And my first thought was when I saw it, I was like, oh, my gosh, what is going on here? Those things looked like they were taking off the set of a Star Wars-themed retelling of Grease. I mean, <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? Those were awful. I mean, uh, the internet, when, that, when this episode came out, they blew up with Power Rangers because those things were like kind of the colors of the Power Rangers. Yeah. But my first thought was, that is Grease colors. These things look like they came off of Grease. They're, they're just a Star Wars-themed retelling of Grease. So that's what this is. I had some very bad PTSD from the prequels with that with that chase scene of them going about five miles an hour. Uh, that was going to be my next thing. <laughs> but I had, like, severe PTSD. I was like, oh, God, I've seen this before. Yeah, so this chasing plays out, and I thought I had seen. Did you watch Westworld? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you saw the chasing in season three, right? Yes, yes, yes. Which was great. Which was great, but it was kind of slow too. 
Yeah. So, and I thought, like, I was like, that was a great chasing post kind of slow. This takes the cake in terms of being slow. I mean, I was like, why are y'all in such a, why are y'all hopping on these figures? Just walk after the dude. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's this one scene in that, in that chasing where this guy who has like, I don't know, like a cart behind him with people on it. And like, he hits the gas so he can get out of the way. He's like, you're not, you don't have to be in that big a hurry. I, I, I promise you, you're going to be okay. I mean, it yeah. was so slow and boring. I, I was just like, what? how is this happening? How is yeah, this happening? And this brings up another question. So Robert Rodriguez, like he was with Tarantino in the early 90s right. as the guys. And then he directed Desperado from Dustin on Sin City. And he looked like he, he was right there with Tarantino. They look, they were the guys. And then he got away to directing all this kid Spy stuff. kids and yeah. lo- Lava Girl and Shark Boy yeah. and Lava Girl. Uh, he recently did a show that's on a movie that's on Netflix. Uh, we can be heroes. My daughter loves it. I mean, she. I was gonna say, is this Chase his fault? Yes, it is. It is a hundred percent his fault. This is the bad Rod, Rod, Robert Rodriguez coming out. This is the Robert Rodriguez who, who has got spent too much time doing these kids flicks. Look, they, those are easy to do. They make lots of money. I understand why he does them, but this is not the Robert Rodriguez of Sin City. This is not the Robert Rodriguez yeah. of Once Upon a Time in Mexico. This is that Robert Rodriguez. And yeah. I was, and when I saw that he was going to be directing some of these episodes, I was like, please don't let that Robert Rodriguez pop up. And what what, what happened, Robert? What happened, man? From Dust to Dawn, it's one of my favorite movies. What happened? Uh, he he was he he. Reverted back into that 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 like kid movie thing where that he has just gotten so comfortable with. Like I said, he you know like you said he is there are some great stuff that he has done. Some really cutting edge, some really you know walked the line that that fine line of you know being too graphic or and yeah. but then he just changed all of a sudden with Spy Kids. Once he did Spy yeah. Kids. It was like, ah, I think I'll just do all this stuff. And he, he still had some other stuff mixed in there after he started doing some of that kid stuff. But I was afraid, once I knew he was doing some of the episodes, I was afraid that this was going to happen. Now, because he directed, I think the initial, I think he directed episode five or six of The Mandalorian, the one that yeah. reintroduced Boba Fett. And that was really good. But mm-hmm. this was not. Oh, my yeah, gosh, yeah. this was not. And look, the first two episodes were much more, you know, the Sin City uh, Robert Rodriguez that we saw. Yeah. This one was not. Oh my gosh! No. It was. It, it, I was really worried about the rest of this the series. I'll be honest with you. When I saw episode three, yeah, no, I, I totally understand. But it, it got better in episode four. Uh, so yeah. let's go ahead and get into episode four because one of the things I think the reason that episode four got better was because they finally give Ming Na Wen something to do. Yes, finally. Uh, Ming Na Wen. She plays Cynic Sand. Uh, her character was introduced in. Uh, season one of the Mandalorian, they brought her back in season two, uh, and basically Boba and Finnick are confidants, and they are closely tied together. Uh, there's nothing romantic between them. They don't they don't ever do anything to try to suggest that, which I'm glad. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they are they are partners, and she is basically kind of feel like she was in his life. And I, like I said, I love Ming Na Wen. I love. The fact that they have put her in this role, uh, she's just absolutely fantastic. I think she has been underutilized throughout her career. Uh, but I love seeing her in this episode. Yeah, she really, really gets a chance to shine. And I was glad they had this episode as well because before this, we kind of saw cracks or the be- the beginning of cracks of their relationship where she would question him. 
right on a lot of stuff. But then we see this backstory of you know she's for she's loyal. Right. She's not going anywhere. I don't think there's any issues. But before that, I thought is she going to end up being the bad guy like right. in the second season or something like that? But like uh, I thought the backstory was was really one really well done. I actually feel bad. I had forgotten that she was in season one. I remember her in season two of The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. I forgot her her story of how she ended up almost dying. Right. And then so then I when I was reading the review, I was like, oh, I forgot all about that. So that that's where I, I saw where, where we picked up mm-hmm. with episode four. But yeah, she really finally gets to shine, and she really shows off in the action scenes. I know that's probably a stunt double, but it looks like her, and she makes it look good. I think she does a lot of them. I mean, she may, she may, she may, I'm sure she has a stunt double for somebody. I think, my understanding of, she does a lot of her own stunts. Now, maybe she's gotten, she's in her 50s now, uh, yeah, which yeah. is kind of hard to believe. Uh, but yeah, She looks really good. <laughs> she does. Uh, I love this the high scene, the, basically, because that's what it is. This is a high scene to get what is now called the fire spray, uh, which used to be called the Slave One. Uh but basically, this is a high scene to get his ship back. Uh, I'm not a real big fan of the fire spray, uh, but one of the things I liked about his ship was when they initially named it, they called it the Slave One. Like, Boba was so confident Slave was going to be a great name for ships that he called it the Slave One. Like, like I'm going to just <laughs> go ahead and tack one onto it. Uh, there will yeah. be obviously a two and a three, but uh, but yeah, it's he gets the fire spray back. Did you? What did you think about that scene where they actually infiltrate uh, Boba uh, Jabba's previous stronghold to get his shit back really enjoyed that too we got to see them work together uh where they where they were using each other's skills and they were still playing off each other insulting each other so i thought it was a really really good scene and we we needed that after episode three right now there are some issues i do have in this show because this this episode because i think this is one of the this is again one of those episodes where it's really hard to figure out the timeline because they take us back to episode to season one of Mandalorian and it's really hard to figure out when we're back in the present day of I, I didn't really get where they transitioned Do you, does that make yeah. sense? no that that does and I and I had read where supposedly it's been five years since his escape to yeah. where we are today but yeah it's hard to figure out where we are like how long ago the Mandalorian episode one was into all this i agree with you this was extremely confusing on the timeline yeah this one i thought this one was was the was the worst in that just because of the fact that the timeline was a little bit more condensed because you basically have about a year between the, him initially finding finnick and to where we are now so yeah. uh, this one was the hardest to find but this is where I, this next issue that i have I, I just i really have a hard time wondering what happened here okay so after they get the fire spray back, they get the fire spray back, and uh, Boba tells Finnick she's free to go, and she obviously at that point says, you know what, you know what? I want to stick around. But he says, I want to go back to the Sarlacc pit so he can get his armor. Now, look, I know it's been five years in the timeline since we've gotten to this point, but three episodes ago, you lost your armor. And you knew you came out of I mean, I can understand that he may have been unconscious when the Jawas took it from him. I can, yeah. I can, pers- I can, I can, I can get along with that, but you had to know you came out of the pit with it on. Yeah, they should have. I was reading several articles where that was the biggest complaint, besides the the slow race we'll call. It. I mean, I, this was a, this was the second biggest complaint. Like you said, they should have had a line where he said, "I know I came. I believe I came out with it on, but I don't remember." He, he should have said something. Yeah, because it's like. 
I'm like, are they are they retconning what they did three episodes ago? I, mean, yeah, I, I can yeah, understand yeah. retconning because they do that all the time. I get that, but they don't uh, normally take three episodes to do it. Uh, and this was just a poor writing on as as great as Favreau and Filoni have been in writing the Mandalorian and writing this show for the most part. This was a huge gaffe on their part. I mean, yeah. I was like, I, I, I was really sitting there trying to. I like had to rewind that like three times, like. Are they really doing this? I mean, because it, it was just—it was such a gaff in the writing for the show. I was like, how how can they get that wrong in this time frame? Yeah, and we're talking about the great John Favreau from—I I knew him from Swingers, the, right? The, the great movie, and then he ended up becoming a director. Started Iron Man, the, the mm-hmm. started the whole MCU. Yeah, and then and then got over to Star Wars. Thank you, John Favreau. Yes. And then Dave Filoni, I believe is his name, right? Yeah, his, his, writing par- his writing partner on The Mandalorian and this stuff. But like you said, this was th- this was some issues. Yeah. They, they had been swinging for the fences and, and hitting hitting a lot of base hits, but this one was not. Well, yeah, this one this was this was a big swing and a miss. And Dave Filoni, for those who don't know, Dave Filoni wrote pretty much all of the animated stuff uh, that came before this. The Re- the Rebels cartoons, the uh, Clone Wars. Clone. Uh, he wrote all that. That's the reason why you see a lot of those callbacks in some of these shows is because the fact that he wrote those. And one of the things I do, I will say that I like about the way that they have done this ever since they started this kind of Star Wars reboot through the shows, you don't have to go back and watch those shows because I tried my best, but there's like 20 se- there's like twenty episodes and seven seasons of those shows, and that's just a lot to go back and watch. Uh, so they do enough, they do a really good job of giving you what you need and – to, to understand what's going on. Like with Ahsoka back in The Mandalorian, they did a really good job of kind of explaining who she was and why she was important. They don't give a whole lot. There's a lot more out there for her, but they give you enough. Uh, so I, I've, I've been real appreciative of that. But yeah, this was this was a major error on their part, and I, it's just really mind-boggling to me that they, they, they didn't catch it or they didn't think of a better way to write it. So, All right, now we get to Episode 5. I'll be honest, Episode 5 is my favorite. It is absolutely my favorite. And all it took was getting a new cast, changing out the directors, not featuring the title character at all. <laughs> and it's my favorite show, my favorite episode. That's, and that's going to be my biggest complaint about this as well, is The Mandalorian, just the character itself is going to overshadow Boba. And they yeah. brought him back into this. And I think with what they were trying to do, and I told you I had a theory, I think what their intent was... Just like the second season of Mandalorian, they used the back half of those episodes to kind of transition into get you ready for the Book of Boba Fett. I think okay. they're doing that with these last few episodes. They're going to get us back accustomed to the Mandalorian. They're going to kind of point us in the direction that season three is going to go when they write this. But the, the problem I think they're going to have, the Mando's going to overshadow Boba. Yeah, and he did, and this is, like you said... And he wasn't even the, in it <laughs> We don't see yeah. Boba at all. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he wasn't in one scene, yeah. And so, uh, I think this was the highest rated on IMDb. It was, it was a 9.4. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and people, you know, people love Mando, and de- deservedly so. He's he's awesome. And the other thing is, one, let's shout out Bryce Dallas, How- Dal- Bryce Dallas Howard. Incredible job. Uh, she also directed a couple episodes of Mandalorian. When are we going to give her a Star Wars a franchise? Star Wars franchise, yeah. I mean, it's, it's got to happen. I mean, her brother did okay with Solo, but she needs she her needs brother. Her. That's her dad. 
Oh, is that her dad? Oh, okay. Yeah, that is yeah, her dad. I'm sorry. I said brother. I said brother. Yeah, her dad did, you know, he did fine, but... Well, he was brought on late. Yeah, that, that that's a whole other thing. We may eventually talk yeah. about that. But, uh, but yeah, she's she's just fantastic in, in, as yeah. the director of this, and she needs her own... Uh, she needs her own Star Wars episode. One of the things I just... That opening scene where they open that door and you hear the recorder, which the only issue I have with The Mandalorian... Okay, what you know, you hear his theme. You know what that instrument yeah. is, right? No, I don't. It's a recorder. You know that little instrument we learned oh, to play wow. in in the fourth grade. No way. Yeah, like like they give this great character. His theme is by this awful instrument. I mean, but they do it. Cool. <laughs> it does. It sounds cool. But I'm like, come on, he he, did, he deserves a better instrument for his theme. I uh, disagree, man. But no, 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 no. Give me wrong. It's it sounds like that western. It's cool. It sounds great. It sounds great. But every time I hear it, all I can think of is like some fourth grader on there. I mean, so <laughs> so that's just what I think of every time I hear it. I'm like, that, that's a recorder. Uh, but it, like I said, it sounds great it has a great western feel to it which is what the mandalorian is it's a western that takes place in space but yeah uh but when they play that little thing that door opens i mean mando you can tell he doesn't know what to do with the dark saber yet but he just starts slicing people in half i was like wow they're getting really they're getting serious here yeah they were yeah and then he hurt, and then he hurts himself. Like yeah, something we've not seen before. No, we have. We've had eleven films. Uh, we've had two and a half seasons worth of shows, and no one has hurt themselves using a a lightsaber up until this point. Now he, he ends up, you know, injuring his leg pretty badly. So that was I, I like that because of the fact that it showed yeah. that he didn't know how to handle that thing, and they and get, it makes sense. Yeah, that somebody would get hurt. And they give and that allows them also to kind of go into the lore of the dark saber when we get Emily Swallow who plays the armorer back, which I've forgotten how much I missed her from season one. Yeah, she's really good. In this. She she really is. I love the armor. I love that character. Uh, I don't know how much more we're going to see her. Uh, I don't think we'll see her at all in Boba Fett, uh, but we may see her again in in uh, Mandalorian. But I just don't know how much. I, I think we're going to see her because I think she was setting up something when she wanted him to go back to the Mandalorian planet. Yeah, he, they wanted to go to the, the Mines of Mandalore, I think. Yeah, yeah, the Mines of Mandalore, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I, I think there was. I think that's a setup for something she's wanting. I think we're going to see her again. Yeah, I think. We, I just don't think it's going to be in this show. I, I, no, 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 I think it's going to be yeah. in Mandalorian next season. Now, she does melt down that spear, which I hate. I love that spear, that, that best yeah, that car seal. Cool. That was a cool spear, but she melts it down. But we don't, it's, it's made for Grogu. Uh, we, we know that. You have any idea of what that is? I have no idea. No, I don't. I don't. I saw some speculation. It was a, um, like a some some kind of headpiece potentially. I, I could see that, but it's just so small. When he had it wrapped yeah, up, I, I was like, I was like, yeah. what in the world? The only thing I could think of was like that little knob that he was always playing with. On, I was like, did he make him just a little ball? And, okay, that but, could but be, he also yeah. said it was armor. So I, I'm just I'm yeah. really confused by what that could possibly be. Grogu uh, with some armor is going to look weird. Yeah, that would look very weird. So I'll be interested. I, I'm really interested to see what that item was that, that she made uh, for Grogu. Uh, we also get the return of Amy Sedaris as Pelimoto. Uh, did you like Pelimoto from the previous Mandalorian? Oh, I did, I did. I yeah, did. I did too. Amy Sedaris is hilarious, and, and she, you know, breaks something, a little, a little break of, of some seriousness that, right, that's oh, needed yeah. in these shows. That is definitely... Which is, which is definitely missing in, in Boba Fett. Yeah, in the first four episodes, we don't have this. We need something like this, and Amy Sedaris gives it to us. And I love the fact that she said she dated a Jawa. I was like, yeah, that was <laughs> like how, does, how does that work? Very hairy. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, but seeing her return, and you know, we kind of get this eighteen MacGyver vibe between Mando. Like that. That's true. And, yeah, and, and, and uh, Pelimoto. They were they're putting the Naboo Starfighter back together. 
Uh, I, I really liked that scene, just them, you know, she's having to convince him, one, to take it. Uh, but them putting that, that that Starfighter back together was just a really cool scene. And like I said, I, I, I got 18 MacGyver vibes yeah. from, from, from that show. But I do have this little nitpick with this particular episode. They're giving him the Starfighter. Is that really a good... Is that really a good ship for a, a a bounty hunter? Yeah, that's that's yeah. It doesn't seem like something you can like uh, sneak in out of, you know. Yeah, because you can't really put your the person you captured in this thing. Right, right, right. So, right. I mean, like, I'm like, how how practical is this going to be? So I'll be interested to see right. if he keeps that ship into the Mandalorian, whatever. And uh, and he built that little spot for. A droid. We all know that's for Grogu. Yeah, that's going to be enough for being for Grogu. I, I can't imagine. I'll be interested how they do because they actually insinuate at the end that Grogu is coming back. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Because he says, you know, I've uh, Fennec Shand shows back up at the end after he's escaped uh, the the X-wing police. I don't know exactly the Rangers. I guess is what they're technically called. Uh, after he escapes from the Rangers and he shows back up at Pelimoto's, Fennec shows up and she says. Uh, you know, uh, we need your help. And he says, I'll do it for free, but I need to go see a little friend first. So I also uh, kind of wonder, are, are we going to see Luke again? I think we will in, in the Mandalorian season three. I wondered about that. I, I think so. Will we see little Ben solo? Shouldn't he have Ooh, a little kid? That's a good question. I don't know. Yeah, maybe we, we might should. Cause it, we might see him at some point. I would think you would, yeah. you would think that'd be the case. I'm not really sure. I haven't really thought about that. That's a good question. So, like I said, this was my favorite episode. But it, it kind of goes back into what I was saying earlier. When you bring in this character that doesn't isn't associated with it, and that's it, and it's everybody's favorite. I mean, you go look online. You look at any of the reviews. This is the favorite episode of just about everybody, and. It's a problem when that's not even the person that the show is about. Uh, <laughs> You know what else stands out about this episode? What's that? So they they leave. They're not the other. Boba Fett is on Tatooine the whole time, right? Which is boring. So this he's going from planet to planet. We're seeing commercial travel. Who knew it existed in exactly. Star Wars? I, I had no idea. Did you think yeah. that, they, that his weapons were going to be stolen when they? Oh, absolutely. I, I did, did too. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, oh yeah. his his weapons are going to be gone, but they didn't. They kind of subverted yeah. some expectations there. I, I thought they would definitely steal his, his weapons. So, and then we got to see the uh, the what was it called? The circle, the, the where, where where he first. Oh yeah yeah yeah. The the first place he was at, like right. that was cool looking, like that city. Right. Exactly. I don't even know what you would call I, that. I don't know what you would either because that was all new, and I, I was loving every minute of it. That was, I was yeah, like, yeah. This is spectacular. And, and but, so you know they, they have all this. You're you're going different planets. The planets look cool. Like everything is like okay. I've never seen this before. So this is all on the Mandalorian. We're not getting any of this in Boba Fett. No, we're not. Nothing like this. And then you add in the comedy of Amy Sedaris. Like you said, you're getting some A-Team MacGyver vibes. We're not getting that in Bubba Fett. So it's just, it's crazy that they added all this, which makes you realize how little they've done to Bubba Fett. Why are you not adding this parts to Bubba Fett? I think part of the problem with Bubba Fett is these two shows are too close. Right. But The Mandalorian is much better. Yeah, it is. Like, like I'll give you an example. The Marvel shows 
None of them are like each other. No, they're not. They're, they're nowhere near. No, nowhere near each other. I'm talking about the Marvel Disney shows. Right. The ones on Netflix are probably closer. But the Marvel Disney shows, none of them are like each other. But these two shows are, are so similar. Are, are similar, except they've taken the fun out of Boba Fett. Right, they have. And that's, I mean, they're, I think what they should have done with Boba Fett, they should have, they, they have made him into like this really serious really stoic you know with all this I mean, like even when he pronounces his name i am boba fett i mean there's this gravitas in the yeah. way that he pronounces his name and mando is just such a more you know all right i'll just kill you if i have to i mean right. he's just got this much more laid-back attitude and i think it just fits in with it just makes it a much easier watch than what boba fett is and like i said look when we get to our ratings here in just a minute we'll talk about it but I think they've got to figure out a way to inject some fun into Boba Fett, and they just haven't been able to do that so far. And, and you make a good point about Mando. Mando has this cowboy swagger. It actually reminds me of, and I think this is why they brought him in season two, it reminds me of Timothy Oliphant in Justified. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has that. Did you watch Justified? No, I had not, but I was familiar with Timothy Oliphant. Just, just, Justified's my favorite show of all time, and Timothy Oliphant's one of my favorite actors. But he has this swagger about it. Mando has the same thing. Which is like I said, they bring they bring Oliphant in, right. which I think I think they were stealing. Like I, I wouldn't be surprised. I said, think about Timothy Oliphant and Justified mm-hmm. the way you're playing this. Which we find out Pedro Pascal getting some of the best work. He's only the voice. He's not the body at all. We have no clue who that is. That's well, he is. In, he's in the suit most of the time. I don't know if he was. No, in this I th- I, I, he wasn't. In, I, I thought he wasn't. He's in very little. I, well, I read that. I knew he was in. in he was not in the suit some of the time. I, I thought, but I thought most of the episodes he was. Uh, so I'll have to go back and research that. I know, like episode three of the first season of Mandalorian, he was not in the suit at all. Uh, there was another episode, another episode in episode season one that he wasn't in the suit at all. Uh, He's not in the suit this this episode. Okay, I didn't know that. I hadn't I hadn't looked into it. But I also think that just kind of goes into, you know, we talked about the differences in the shows, differences in the character. Do we think? A lot of that is just the difference. Look, I love Tamora Morrison. He's yeah. he's he's good. He was great as Django Fett in what little time he got to show it. But I don't think he's as good of an actor as Pedro Pascal. Do we think that has yeah. anything to do with it? I think that I think I think that definitely hurts Tamora Morrison's case. But I will say he is the perfect face for this because yeah, he know, does. Boba Fett has been through it, and Tamora Morrison has a very weathered face mm-hmm. that you could tell this man's lived. Right, and so, like I said, I think he's missing that comedic, that person. If you're going to be as stoic as he is, you need someone to bounce off of. Right. We saw a little bit of that w- with Finnick uh, when they were when on the theft on the on the heist. Right. Where right. they were joking back and forth. We haven't been getting that. Right. And I think that that hurts him because he's so stoic. We we and it's so serious. Like you said, the gravitas. Like he needs, he needs someone else to bounce off of. Right. I think, I think that would, I think that would help a lot. So I'll be interested to see if, how they try to fix that in the, the third season, because at this, or oh, the second season of Boba Fett, because I think we're going to get a lot of that with uh, Mando for these last couple of episodes. So, all right, let's go ahead and go ahead and get to our weekly awards. Now, obviously, this is going to encapsulate all five. Uh, the Tyrion Lannister. Who is the MVP of this show? <laughs> I'm going. I'm going to. 
not count Mando. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's Boba Fett. I think uh, he really, I you know, those first couple episodes, he really carries it. Um, I, I think he does a good job. I love his interaction uh, with with the Raiders mm. and, and and the Jawas, and I, I I like him. I think I think he's pretty good. I it is Boba Fett, but I think what's going to happen in episode six, I think it's going to be Mando. I, I'm like I said, I'm really afraid that he's going to overshadow. Anything that happens with Boba Fett in these last couple episodes. Well, I think I think Ming No Win could steal some episodes as well. True, she could, and she kind of came close in episode four. But like I said, yeah. we're doing the overall. Uh, it still is Boba Fett, but like I said, I, I do worry that episode six. And look, I love Mando. I mean, I, anything with him in it is going. I'm, I'm there for it. Uh, but if this is a show about Boba Fett, it needs to be about Boba Fett. It doesn't need to be about Mando. Uh, all right, you're Agatha all along. What's your favorite scene from the first five episodes of Boba Fett? Uh, the train robbery in season two. I mean, it's episode two. Yeah, I mean, as much as I, I, that's second, and I hate to do it, but that opening scene of episode five, that where Mando goes after that bounty and he just starts slicing people up, I love that so much. I mean, it's it's my yeah. favorite scene. And I hate that because, like I said, it's not, it's not Boba Fett's scene. Well, Mando also has probably the second best line and it's in that scene where he says i can bring you in warm or i can bring and that's you in cold. going into that that's my favorite line uh that is my if you come at the king you best not miss yep. line that's my favorite line i was like oh that is so spectacular i picked another line for that but that was that was the runner-up yeah that was my that was my favorite line of the entire of the entire show so far was i can bring you in because the the guy he's talking to says you know he wants to discuss options and he's like all right well i can bring you in warm or I can bring you in gold. Those are our options. And it was just so, it's just that cool factor that he has that we just don't have really with Boba Fett yet. So what was your, what was your number one line? It was in the first episode towards the end. And this, this also sets the tone for the show of Finnick alive. <laughs> Cause that tells right. us what kind of person Finnick is. Right. And this is, this is an action movie trope. Cause there's always that, you know, bad character. I mean, not like uh, like the tough character that you got to tell them don't kill everyone. Right, exactly. And and they're telling us from the get go, Finnick Shad is that you have to tell her Finnick alive, and what because she will kill everyone. And what you're referencing is when they've been ambushed at the beginning, at the end of episode one, where by those ninjas, I guess is what you call them. I'm not yeah, really sure what yeah. they're talking about. They start to try to escape, and then that's when he says, and she goes after me, and he says, alive to her, uh, so that she will know. So, But yeah, that, that was that was, probably, that was my second one. So uh, yeah. it was, like I said, I just, I, I hate the fact that two of mine came from episode five, because it wasn't about Boba Fett, but I, I've got to be true to my roots. So... All right, uh, before we head off, let's actually, let's do our ratings. I almost forgot. Uh, where is the Book of Boba Fett for you so far on uh, our rating scale? I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a friends. And that's where I'm going to. I'm, I'm giving it a friends. Look, it could go to, I could see it going to a lost. I could see it if, it, if they don't do, if, I could see it also if we get another episode three or two. If we get another episode three in these last two episodes, it could go down to a full house. Uh, but for right now, it's a friends. Uh, like I said, you know, and I'll just be, into, I, I've just got to wait, you know, I don't know if, you know, if the reason that episode six and seven I love so much is because of Mando, does that hurt the way I feel about the show? So I, it's going to be interesting I'm, to see. I'm going to make a guess. Mando's not in six, but he's in seven. You think so? I think Mando is looking for, he's going to find Grogu, so he will be missing from six. 
and which we'll see in the Mandalorian season mm-hmm. three. And I think he will be back for season for the episode seven. I could see that's that my ha- guess. I could see that happening. I also see it happening where he goes and gets he shows up somewhere in episode six. I just want to see if they actually put Grogu into this because, again, I mean, as much as Mando overshadowed Book of Boba Fett in episode five, I'll, Grogu many times overshadowed. Mando in the Mandalorian because it wasn't the Bobby Yoda show it was it was Mandalorian so if you bring him into it that's even that's making it even more difficult but also Uh, I'll be real interested to see if they bring Grogu into this show at all uh, because he's still got to deliver whatever that is that he got from him and he says he's going to go see him so I'll be interested if they actually do put him in uh, the show all right, let's go ahead. And, I went through this last week. Uh, recommendations? Are there any? Is there before we head off? Is there anything you want to recommend to our listeners to watch that you've been watching? Absolutely, and I'm going to do a PSA from the last episode. I owe, I owe a apology to the children in the Ozark show. And <laughs> they actually, I just finished yesterday uh, season four, the first half, the mm. the series finale, and they're fantastic. I badmouthed them so bad last episode. <laughs> I apologize. So they've grown up a lot as an actor. They've grown up. Now, people will say they've had four seasons. They finally got together. I'm not going to go there. Right. Justin, I'm not <laughs> going to do that. I'm not that kind of person. But they have picked it up. Uh, I apologize to them. So season four, Ozark, it, it, it is really good. Ozark's one of those shows. It tries to be Breaking Bad. It's not, but mm-hmm. it's really good. But it can wear on you because it's like it's moving so fast. Not really. But, they they figured it out finally in season four where it's okay. it's really really good so that's one of my recommendations. Uh, also, uh, Righteous Gemstones, Dan McBride yeah, has done it again. It's fantastic. It, it's worth a watch. Um, we also watched Archive. My wife and I, when I say we, it's my wife and I were rabid TV watchers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Archive eighty one on Netflix. I've been wanting to watch it. I just haven't gotten yeah, it. Yeah, it's 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 fun. It's a good watch. It's a mix of suspense, little horror, little thriller, little little sci fi. Uh James Wan is involved, if okay. you know who that is yeah, from I mean. the Conjuring, Aquaman, great director. He's one of the producers. Okay. So it's 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 worth the watch. And then I'm gonna not recommend something. Okay. It is the Kristen Bell the woman in the window across the street. <laughs> uh, it is horrible. Is it? Yeah, it's it's a parody. I was going to watch it, but I was like, eh, I don't know. It's a parody, but they don't do the comedy well at all. Well, you know, they, I, I was watching the trailer for it because I heard it was a parody. And I was like, it almost seems like it's too serious. Like it's it's way too serious. They they miss on comedy. I think I don't know if we can do parody like the Naked Gun anymore. Part right. of the reasons are. Bones, uh, yeah. we're, we're we're kind of all over the place. We we don't have the uh, to pay attention like that, and also it's just not funny. They miss on the jokes. They right. don't go into the silliness. Do not watch this, people. Uh, you will want to because Kristen Bell's usually fantastic. Kristen Bell, yeah, she usually is really good. But uh, I, I was really disappointed. It's only three hours. They're twenty minute episodes. You can fly through it if you don't want to listen to me. But uh, I'm usually pretty good on comedy, and I, I and I love parody. This did not do it for me. Uh, I, I hate to hear that. So, like I said, I was thinking about watching it, but when I watched the trailer for it, I was like, it just looks like they're taking it too seriously. It's not like they're doing much of a parody of this at all. And so it's what it sounds like. It sounds like that's correct. Yep, so. that's exactly right. 
Uh, I have three as well. Uh, season two of Resident Alien started on Sci-Fi this week. If you don't have Sci-Fi and you have Peacock, you can always stream it on Peacock. I, I, did you watch Resident Alien? I did not. I know Alan Tudyk, right? Yes, I love him. Oh my yeah, goodness, yeah, he's he is great. Yeah, but I've not watched it. And he's the only reason I, ever, I started watching the first season to begin with. Uh, but yeah, that the first season was spectacular. Second, uh, the season opener for this one was it was just on par with everything we got in season one. I absolutely love it. Uh, it's uh, probably a lot of people haven't seen it, but it's it's just it's really really good. I mean, it's it's the right amount of funny and sarcastic. It's just I, I absolutely love that show. Uh, my second recommendation is one that probably a lot of people have not heard of. It's The Legend of Vox Machina on Amazon Prime. It started this week. Uh, there is a podcast, and this is where I really go into my nerd roots. Uh, <laughs> there is a podcast, and I have not heard, I, I was unfamiliar with anything about this coming into it, but uh, there's a podcast called, oh, crud, now I lost the name of it. Uh, oh, Roll Play or something like that. Uh Prime role, I can't remember. Hold on, let me look up the name of that thing real quick. But now, let me ask you: Does it have anything to do with the movie X Mafia? No, it has nothing to do with that. Well, uh, that's just important. Yeah, it, it is totally, totally a uh, different type of show than that. Uh, this is all fantasy. Uh, but Legend of Vox Machina, what is the name of that thing called? Critical Role, that's what it is. Uh, there's this podcast called Critical Role, and what it is, it's like seven or eight p people who. Uh, started playing Dungeons and Dragons uh, and they started they started role they started voice acting their their games and so they kind of developed this 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 legion of followers uh, they like did the Kickstarter to like just do one animated episode uh, and they got out there and Amazon apparently loved it and they picked it up and it is it is an animated show for adults so whenever you get animated shows for adults, you know the it's the humor will be extremely crass. Uh, it's going to have tons of totally inappropriate things in it, but it's also fantasy. I mean, it's Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, it's it's not out there for everybody. I, I will personally I know that, but if you like fantasy, if you like anything that has to do with dragons and or anything else that's fantasy related. You will probably love this, but like I said, it, it's crass. It's it's a hard hard to say the least. Uh, but it's it, I really enjoyed the first three episodes because they released Amazon normally does three episodes and then they do the rest of them weekly. But uh, the first three were really fun. Well, you really sold me on the adult language and situations. You may you may get me to check this one out. Yeah, and look, the the episodes are pretty short. They're only like thirty minutes or so. Uh, and so I mean, check it out, and if you like it, then you can always give it. Uh, the first two episodes have uh, David Tennant in it. Oh yeah, yeah, loved it. Uh, he, he's spectacular in it. Like I said, he's only in the first two episodes, but uh, uh, he, it's just it's a, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's just a whole lot of fun to sit there and watch it. Uh, like I said, not, animation is not for everybody, but if you, if you don't mind the animation, it's just great. Like I said, it is totally it is adult humor at its finest, and like I said, and it's serious at times too. That's what's great. I mean, when they when they want to be serious, they do that part of it really well. When they want to be funny, they do that part really really well. Uh, the last one I think you've also seen is Servant on Apple TV+. Plus. Yes, I have loved it. I haven't – I'm not a horror person, okay? I, I don't enjoy being scared. So I was told that this was a horror show, so I kind of held off on it. Uh, but it's really more just suspenseful and creepy. Uh, but it's really, really good. And, you know, I was a little put off because it's an M. Night Shyamalan, or how you pronounce his name. <laughs> That's right. Uh, it's – it's a project by him, and after Science, his star 
pretty much fell off the face of the earth. Uh, so I was a little hesitant. Well, but, no, he 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 picked it up with the James McAvoy one. Yeah, he did. It was split. Uh, split. Yeah, yeah, yeah. split. He. he but had, I agree with you. After, before that, he, he was bad. But yeah, so he was kind of going through some some rough parts there, and he, he kind of got a little bit of a, a rebound with split. And this show is really good. I, I've really enjoyed it. It's it's weird. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's really yeah. weird. I'm, I just finished season one yesterday. I'm still not exactly sure how all this is going to play out, but uh, it's it's re- it's really good. And shout out to Rupert Grant from yes, Rupert Grant, Harry it. Potter, very it, very good. It took me a second to figure out who that was. It's like because seeing Rupert Grant drop all these f bombs, it was had a hard time <laughs> yeah. putting those yeah. two together. Yeah. So, uh, it's, but it's really good. So if you're looking for something else out there, I would highly recommend it. So, all right, man. Well, uh, I guess it's time to sign off. You want to say anything before we head out? Just want to appreciate everybody for listening to our first episode and we got a lot of great feedback i really appreciate that and we're going to keep working on this and 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 keep getting better so we appreciate you listening and keep keep coming back with us yes we are definitely going to do our best to continue to improve the show so i appreciate you guys tuning in i appreciate you guys look like i said if you if you go onto apple and you write us a review we'll read it on the on air next week uh always looking to do that it'll just help us get the word out about the show we really enjoy doing this and we hope that you have enjoyed listening as much as we uh, enjoy doing it so all right until next week we will be reviewing episode six of both peacemaker and the book of boba fett and until then though may all of what is your dreams come true